Hello and welcome to Wellness Matters. I am Heather Crocio, and this is a place where we discuss all things wellness, basically mind, body, and spirit. When we work on all three of these things, that's what creates wholeness. My intention for this podcast is to help you get curious. We are always a work in progress. Getting curious is the first step. So come on and have a listen. Today, I have a really special guest that I was lucky enough to meet in a podcast mixer. I was going outside the realm of my comfort zone and I met Kathy in this podcast mixer and I just couldn't believe we hit it off so quickly and I knew I had to have her on the podcast. So my guest today's name is Kathy Fritz and Kathy is a board certified hormone coach who coaches women in perimenopause and menopause to get rid of weight gain, hot flashes, and sleep and hormonal issues so they can feel normal again. Kathy, I've got all the questions. We just were talking a little bit before we even started, and I was already peppering her with questions because I feel like I am definitely in this perimenopausal time in my life. I don't have any huge major red flags yet, but I feel like I'm trending in that direction. So I'm so excited to be talking to you about this topic. I was actually telling some of my girlfriends who I was meeting with today, they're like, oh my God, get all the information. (laughs) So (laughs) thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Oh, it's delightful to be here, Heather. And you know, There's this strange mystery that kind of surrounds perimenopause and menopause and midlife for women. And I'm so passionate about taking that shroud off of this time and just telling it like it is and giving women information that they can then decide how to use it. It's, I feel like it's such a mystery to so many of us. And now that I am coming into this phase of my life, I'm like, there's got to be more answers. There's got to be more information. In fact, I um, had just started, I'm like halfway through reading this one book that I found a couple months ago on kind of like demystifying all the things about perimenopause because I I wasn't sure if I was there yet, what it looks like. And so I'm really excited to dig in with you to talk about some of these things because what I thought I knew, and then just looking at a few chapters in this book, I was like, whoa, I was completely wrong. So first of all, can you tell us how you got into this journey? Because you are a hormone coach. So how did you even come across this? Well, it's because I had my own hormonal issues. (laughs) So like so many of us that end up in this space, you know, we have a challenge that we're not satisfied with the status quo of how to overcome it. So when I went to my practitioner and said like, oh, things are things are off. I'm not sleeping well. I am a crazy bitch before my period (laughs) comes. Um, you know, I have these moments of rage and tears, and sometimes they're seconds apart, and my acne's awful, and, uh, you know, I just don't feel like myself. Um, she's like, yeah, it probably is your hormones. Would you like birth control or an IUD? <laughs> and I was like, yes. or what, what else? And she said, that, 
that's all I have for you. Um, you know, I was in my mid thirties at the time. And so I was too young to have any sort of perimenopausal diagnosis. And now I realize that actually it can begin in your mid thirties. And I likely was having these hormonal surges that are associated with perimenopause. So as I did my own research and my own trial and error, I discovered what you're discovering is that either women don't know or they think they know when they're wrong. Um, And so as I come from the education field, just like you, Mm -hmm. so as an educator, you know, we see a need for information and we're like, oh, I got you. I will, I will take care of that. Um, And so I started my business in 2019 and started with just six friends that, you know, were having hormone issues and just to see like, do I even like want to do this? And it was so amazing to journey with them through this transformation and see the their shoulders literally come down as they finally better understood themselves mm-hmm. that I was like I'm in this is what I want to do this is second vocation my third yes. really because motherhood's a vocation too. exactly yes right there with you um okay so you kind of answered my first question but is there an actual kind of age range for perimenopause? Actually, maybe we should back this up. What is the difference between perimenopause and menopause? Oh, good question. Okay. So menopause, the word menopause gets all of the attention, but Mm -hmm. menopause is technically one day. Yes. That's what I learned. I was like, what? Uh It's one day, yet it gets all the glory, which is crazy. Perimenopause are the years leading up to that one day. And that's really when women are suffering, they tend to be in perimenopause. Ideally, once we've hit menopause, the symptoms kind of abate. And if you are a woman and you are past your 12 months and you're still having symptoms and you're listening, you need some help because your hormone levels are prepubescent. Like our hormone, our estrogen goes back to the level it was at when we were girls before we had our period. Um, And that actually is an incredibly freeing experience in some ways, but I won't dive into that yet. Um, So as far as perimenopause and menopause go, you're really perimenopausal for years. You have your menopause day and then technically you're postmenopausal. But a lot of people refer to menopause as the time from 12 months of no bleed on. Um, really care what people call it as long as they get the help that they need during it. Right. So, you know, you're, you are a hormone coach. Could you kind of explain what are hormones and what's the purpose of them? Oh, sure. So hormones are just chemical messengers in the body. There are over 200 that we know about, but they're still discovering hormones. I just love that. That makes me really like totally geek out on that. And a lot of the hormones you've heard of, you've heard of estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, cortisol, um, insulin is a hormone. Uh, Maybe you've heard of leptin and ghrelin or ghrelin or however you want to say it. Um, So there are hormones that we're really familiar with. And then there are hormones like, I don't even know about them because those aren't the hormones that I, the work I do focuses on. Um, and they're just ways that our body uh, functions. You know, they help our body to function. And when they are getting signals from the environment, um, from either the food we eat, the way we move, how we're sleeping, the toxicity um, mm-hmm. of the environment, if 
they, when they get signals, um, certain signals, then they respond in a way that is not good for our overall health and wellness. I remember um, listening to a podcast a long time ago about with Sahara Rose. I don't know if you know her. She's she's she was, became big on the scene talking about Ayurveda and whatnot. She was only like 21 and she was starting to display signs of perimenopause. Mm. Um, some of her hair was like falling out a little bit. Basically, the way she described it was she was in adrenal fatigue Mm. And it was like almost like causing her body to go into early menopause. Mm -hmm. And I thought, holy cow, that can happen at such a young age. So I guess like, obviously that's her story, but have you like seen like, is stress really that big of like a proponent for kind of pushing somebody in that direction? Absolutely. So um, the stress hormone cortisol is what I call an upstream hormone. And so the thing with cortisol is that it's going to impact your downstream hormones. So if something's going on with cortisol, it's going to mean something is going to get impacted further down, like your estrogen and your progesterone. Um, And so that is probably the most common Um, hormone that I work on, that and insulin. Um, We have to make sure those two are sending the right messages before we can really address progesterone, estrogen, thyroid, testosterone, other androgens, human growth hormone, leptin, ghrelin, all that. How do you, so if you have a client, how do you know if somebody's hormones are regulated or not? So when women come to me, they're symptomatic. I've had one woman come to me who was like, I turned 40 and I want to understand my body better. <laughs> Otherwise, women come to me and they're like, I can't sleep. My hair's falling out. I've gained all this weight. I'm having hot flashes. My sex drive's in the toilet, like whatever it is. They mm-hmm. have symptoms. Yeah. So I don't have to give them any sort of test to know that their hormones are not in balance. They're not sending the signals in the way they're supposed to send the signals. Okay. Um, but I do, when a client comes to me to do the work, I give her a rather, a rather lengthy questionnaire. And mm-hmm. in that questionnaire, I'm asking about her symptoms. And she, a lot of women come back to me and they'll say something like, I didn't even realize that my ankles were swollen until you asked about it. And then I looked at my ankles and I was like, yeah, they're swollen. <laughs> Um, or I didn't even think about the fact that, you know, I have acid reflux, but yeah, every time I eat, I get this burning sensation. Um, and so the, the hormone questionnaire is great because it validates women It makes them realize like, Oh, I, I am onto something here. I don't feel well for a reason. I think that that was the most mind blowing thing just from reading a few chapters of that book. Like I said, um, I had always heard the typical symptoms, hot flash, weight gain, um, not being able to sleep. I think maybe even hair loss I might have heard of along the way some somewhere. But when I was looking at the symptoms, really looking at them, I couldn't believe how many additional ones were on there. Mm. And of course, how many I actually had of that list. So I was like, oh my gosh. There's weird ones too, like nail nail brittleness, feeling like your mouth's on fire, like weird things that are now understood to be perimenopausal symptoms. Now, of course, Heather, you have to tell everybody, what's the book you're reading? 
Oh, I don't even remember the name of it. I sh- I will put it in the show notes. Um, I started reading it and then I kind of, to be honest with you, I think I put it down because I was getting like overwhelmed by it. Mm-hmm. And I just went and started reading a billion other books because that's what I love to do is read. But I do need to go back to it and continue reading it because I know it's super important to know this information. But yeah, I think I was just starting to get a little bit overwhelmed with what I was learning, which is yeah. weird because I'm usually so proactive about things, you know. Well, it was hitting too close to home. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So I'll definitely, I'll put that in the show notes because actually a lot of what you're saying is a lot of what I was reading. So at mm. least there's people on the planet that know what they're talking about. <laughs> and in the, that book, I do remember her giving some examples of this woman who just had become so depressed and lost basically her drive of life, you know, Mm. no passion or anything. She just, and she had no idea why she was like kind of just dragging and not, she was going through the motions. And she went to her doctor and she said, I feel like I'm perimenopausal. The only question the doctor had asked her was, do you have regular periods? And she said, well, yeah. And he goes, oh, you're fine then. You're you're not in perimenopause. Oh, geez. Right. And this is her doctor, somebody that she trusts yeah. to know these answers. Mm-hmm. And as I continued to read on, it was showing, uh, no, that is not the only question that you should be asking your clients or your patients, I should say, to figure out if they are in perimenopause. And- so- Yeah. And the other thing, the other big thing that I came across while reading that was understanding that you could be perimenopausal for a decade. That's a long time. Yeah. It it can last 15 years, over a decade. What you said is really important, Heather. Symptoms predate period changes. Yeah. Okay. Symptoms predate period changes. So anyone who's listening, if you're like, oh, I can't be perimenopausal because my period is regular. Sorry, honey. Those symptoms are very much hormonal perimenopausal symptoms. The period changes tend to come later. Yeah. And before we even got on this call, just a little private (laughs) information about me. I was just telling Kathy for, it's been at least three years now, the week before I menstruate, I get the most horrific night sweats that it it can't be anything other than hot flashing night sweats, whatever you want to call it the week before. And then when I'm finished, I go back to normal again. And so I I guess I wasn't too, too concerned with it, but this has been going on for at least three years. Mm. It's definitely a pattern. I definitely started to pay attention to when it's happening and, um, which is probably what got me curious enough to buy that book. So I definitely, yeah, there's just so many similarities. And then when I was reading more and looking at these very uncommon, not talked about symptoms, I thought, holy moly. So then I was like texting my sister-in-law and she's like, I have all those things. And I was like, I have all those things too. (laughs) Like, can you even believe this? So it's almost like there, it's like a secret knowledge that I feel like so many of us women walking around have no idea what is going on. Because when I thought of menopause when I was younger, I was like, oh, that's like 50 and above. That's for old ladies. Please. Yeah, that's I'm for not old. old. Yeah. Exactly. Um, 
And having that myth just floating around in my brain was just such misinformation. And so then I was like, oh my gosh, I got to tell other people. Other people got to know about this. Yeah. So I'm right there with you. That's why I teach a class called Second Puberty. What is happening in midlife? Second Puberty. What a great name. Well, that's what perimenopause is. So in the same way that during puberty, we're building to fertility, during perimenopause, we're we're building away from fertility back to that prepubescent level of hormones. So if if you're going backwards, kind of like Benjamin Button there, um, why does it seem to be so, I guess, I don't know, because I haven't gone through and attained menopause, but it seems like when you do get to that point, there's still, I don't know, maybe symptoms and whatnot. When I was going through like the pre, um, pubescent years, I guess, I don't remember it being so so many symptoms. Ask your mom. Ask your mom how you did during those years. I'm pretty sure most of us blocked that out. Um, I know just from my own experience, I have an almost 14-year-old daughter and the months leading up to her getting her first period, I was like, oh my gosh, can it just come? Because what happens is our bodies are preparing and then uh, so there is that hormonal build, but there's not the release of the bleed. And mm-hmm. so then they, you know, kind of just like quiet down for a little bit. And then there's another hormonal build as the body's getting ready. It's much better now that she actually has her period because she does have a build, but the bleed kind of calms everything down again. Um, and so truly, you know, with, I think the question was, you know, why then with the uh, journey towards infertility and towards, um, you know, having those prepubescent levels, are there other issues? And that's a little more complicated. So think about how young we are, how new to the world we are as we're heading towards puberty. There's a lot more that's kind of like going on and has happened for us as we're heading towards menopause and beyond. And so part of aging is becoming more insulin resistant. And then estrogen dominance, which happens to a lot of women in perimenopause, makes insulin resistance worse insulin resistance makes estrogen dominance worse. They have that kind of relationship where it's cyclical. Mm -hmm. So um, that's just one example of kind of normal um, insulin resistance. You know, that is just kind of what happens with our aging bodies. And so we, the earlier, the sooner we do this, the better. Um, We need to become more insulin sensitive. We need to practice eating and movement choices that increase our insulin sensitivity. So what would you suggest for somebody to become more proactive, as you just said? So I work in three pillars, food, movement, and lifestyle. And there are lots of things you can do in all three of those pillars. Um, But to be the most useful to, to your listeners, why don't I give one particular deep dive um, in each of those areas? Does that sound like a good idea? Okay. So the first is food. Okay. So for food, we are really effective glucose burners because it's easy. It's so easy to burn glucose and our bodies are like, yeah, make it easy for me. I want to, I want that. Give me some more carbohydrates. I get those in, I burn them. It's so easy. Love it. Then if you don't use them, yeah, I'll just, I'll store them right in that midsection for you. Mm. Um, and so what we want to do is shift from being such fast glucose burners to also 
being effective fat burners. And that's where the word ketones comes in. Now, I'm not recommending any of your listeners go on a keto diet. Keto is not a long-term effective solution for midlife women. I know it can help you lose fat really quickly, but it is not a long-term effective solution for midlife women. Those are the people I'm an expert in. I don't know about men. I don't know about other yeah. you know, women older, younger than that. But for midlife women, a keto diet is not going to serve your long-term health and hormone goals. So how do we shift from being glucose burners to being better ketone burners? And we do that by doing things like starting our morning with enough protein. And for my vegans and vegetarians, I love you. I'm not the coach for you. I believe in an animal protein source um, because that's the most bioavailable option, best for our hormones. If you want to argue with me, we can do it offline. (laughs) Um, So I believe that an animal protein in the morning is a really helpful way um, to start your day and start burning ketones as opposed to glucose. What's Um, a classic breakfast for you? um, I do love a sugar-free bacon. Let me tell you. Um, okay. So a lot of times, though, I'll eat anything that's kind of left over in my fridge. So like last night, we had chicken legs. So guess what I had this morning? Chicken legs. Mm. Um, and then I'll have usually some vegetables with that. And then if I'm going to be exercising, I might throw a fruit in there, too. Um, and that's just a really uh, powerful way to start your day. If you are having a breakfast and are hungry two or three hours later, your breakfast is not uh, protein heavy enough. Um, okay. We should be able to get from breakfast to lunch okay. without being starving. Um, yeah. Again, in midlife, that serves our midlife bodies best. Um, a very popular, I'll do one more little tip for um, increasing our insulin sensitivity and our ketone burning. Um, very popular right now is um, intermittent fasting. So I like to say intermittent fasting is great, but it's a tool, which means it's not for everybody. So mm-hmm. I would encourage women to look into how to fast as a midlife woman. It's different from how men should be fasting. We are not little men. We're very, <laughs> very different. Yeah. I, I joke that we're not, um, or I should say men are not X, Y. They're X and not quite X. Mm. <laughs> and so there's, there's a difference there. And so we shouldn't be fasting like they do. Um, right. Dr. Mindy Peltz, P-E-L-Z or P-A-L-T-Z. I forget if there's a T in there. Um, she's a really great resource for intermittent fasting for women in midlife. Um, so there's a couple tips there for food. Any questions before I launch into movement? No, that sounds good. I okay. like it. So for movement, um, everyone thinks of exercise. And I won't use that word because I find it's very triggering for a lot mm-hmm. of women. And it misconstrues. This is, again, the misinformation. I'll hear from women, well, but I run five days a week. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I go to Orange Theory and three days a week I'm doing a hit session. And so this is where, again, the midlife body is unique. It has unique needs. The first thing to do is incorporate more low impact, regular movement. So a couple of like tips and tricks that I share with my clients. When you are parking in a parking lot, do not park in the closest to the entrance spot. Park Mm -hmm. further away. 
Yeah, get so your that way you get a few more steps in. And then when you're on your way out, pushing that heavy cart full of groceries or, you know, your latest target purchase, you're <laughs> expending more energy. Um, so the other thing is we, a lot of us work from home now. You're still in a school, but this is, this is where it's, I spend most of my days. My home, so I do work from okay. home. There you yeah. go. Okay. So you're still working from home. So, um, a lot of us have stairs in our homes. I say every time you go down the stairs, go up and down one more time. Raises your heart rate just a little more, engages your body like, oh, what's happening here? What are we doing? Yeah. Um, and that's going to burn some of that energy, burn some of that fuel. Um, so it's really not about getting to the gym more often or staying at the gym longer. It's about regular movement built into your day. That's actually more important uh, and has to be kind of the baseline. And so then it doesn't have to be like high intensity any anymore, but more just throughout your day, sprinkle it in. So the baseline is this throughout the day movement sprinkled in. Okay. So then you get to, okay, I have a good baseline. What's next? So I talked to my clients about you. There's so many levers we can pull. Okay. You mm -hmm. can't pull them all at once. And every lever doesn't work the same for every woman. So you get your baseline and then you say, okay, what's my next goal? So you could do a hit session. You could do strength training. You could do more flexibility, yoga, Pilates. Um, it really depends on what lever you're pulling, why you're pulling that lever, what results you're trying to get. Okay. Okay. And what's the third pillar then? The third pillar is lifestyle. And I know that's like really broad, but it has to be because in lifestyle is um, your sleep habits, your stress management, your sunlight, your fun. And there's really nothing that better encompasses all of that than the word lifestyle. Right. So like I always... Relationships too, probably, right? Yep. Totally. In there, in the lifestyles. Um, so I always start with sleep. Because if you are not sleeping, you can't do anything else. You cannot lose weight. You cannot be effective in your job. You cannot be the mother you want to be. You mm. cannot be the dog owner you want to be. I have three dogs, so <laughs> that's what made me think of it. Um, truly, sleep is so essential. So that has to be number one. And Oh, go ahead. But if somebody is having these perimenopausal symptoms, sleep might be what gets rocked. So I guess like, how do you make sure that you're getting adequate sleep if you physically feel like you can't? You need help. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you need help then because um, sleep is essential. We're, we're uh, you know, they've done studies on poor lab rats where they deprived them of sleep and they died. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So we know that, you know, sleep is essential to life and to living life in a vital way, living life in a, in a meaningful way. So um, for sleep support, there. first you want to address, am I having a hard time falling asleep, staying asleep? Am I waking up too early? What is the issue? And sometimes it's all of them, you know, sometimes it's all of them in one night. That's awful. Um, and if that's happening just every now and then, like that just happens every now and then, and you can catch up on the weekend from something like that. But if night after night, you're not having good sleep, then you need to figure out the root cause. For some women, it's related to habits and routine and stress. For some reason, women, it's because their progesterone's like literally non-existent and they need some um, bioidentical progesterone. For some women, um, 
you know, a magnesium taurine supplement is enough to really help with that sleep Mm. piece. Um, Essential oils can be a great tool. But again, you have to figure out which of these sleep issues is my issue and then research and find out, okay, what are the food movement and lifestyle changes I can make to support that particular part of sleeping? Wow. That was very thorough. Thank you so much for walking us through all of that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. On your website, you talk about how when you're working with your clients, you try to incorporate natural like solutions, which I was totally um, happy to see because I, I, you know, there's a time and a place for pharmaceuticals or whatnot, mm-hmm. but I mm-hmm. also feel like we should be incorporating other things as well before we just say, okay, write me a script for something. Yeah. I say, just try it first and, yeah. you know, have the, have the patience to see how it goes. And if it doesn't go well, yeah, let's try something. I mean, I'm not opposed to bioidentical hormones. They, I know they make some women's lives much, much better. That's what I was going to ask you. So I do know, I remember when my mom was going through this whole phase, she was talking about um, hormone therapy replacement, maybe, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on that? So hormone replacement therapy gets a bad rap from a um, study that was done years ago when they used to give women equine estrogen. Yes, horse estrogen. Mm. Turns out we're not horses. (laughs) Who knew? Crazy. Crazy, right? Um, So we're not little men and we're not horses. These these are the things to take away from today, ladies, when you listen. Um, So it gets a bad rap because the study was done on women receiving an estrogen that was in fact cancer causing. It was a problem. Now in the bioidentical hormones, it is synthetic, but it is bioidentical to the hormones that we create in our own bodies. Now there's also compounding hormones um, that you would get from a compounding pharmacy. I from what I've read, there haven't been as many studies on that. So some women, that's their preference. They swear by it. It's not as regulated. It's not as uh, tested. It's the purity piece. You know, it can't be a guaranteed in the same way. But mm-hmm. compounding pharmacists who do that will say, no, it's pure. It's fine. So I don't like to draw a line in the sand and say, do this, not this. I say, right. do your research and figure out what you're comfortable with and find a, a really knowledgeable practitioner. So the gynecologist that you went to to have your babies may not be super knowledgeable about what's called BHRT, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. You might need to find somebody who is. Um, their doctors can receive additional training um, on midlife bodies and menopause. So I would say you'd want to go to somebody who had received that training. Absolutely. Yes. I, yeah, I 100% agree with that. So when, how long does a client work with you? So I ask clients to commit to a minimum of three months and I say, you can work with me up to six months, but if you still need me after six months, I haven't done my job. Mm. My goal is not to make women dependent on me in order to stay accountable to what it is they want. Right. Um, and so I would say it's probably like a 60-40 split. Um, probably 60% of the clients I work with are done at three months and 40% want that additional three months, um, which is more of a 
later, uh, like a maintenance experience. So the first three months tend to be where a lot of the changes are being made. And the second three months, if they stay on, tend to be more either maintenance or we're like tweaking things. So for example, um, you know, weight loss is a really popular thing. So there's, there's been a lot of weight loss and then there's this plateau and we're like, okay, so this, uh, we'd like to, uh, keep on losing the weight. So what other levers can we pull in different areas that we haven't tried yet? Um, and we kind of go about it that way. You know, the thing with weight, Heather, is we all have a weight set point mm-hmm. and it's really, it takes about six months to change that set point. So it's great. Like you lose, you know, however much weight on a keto diet in a short amount of time. It's not your new set point. <laughs> no. Your body's like, well, that was weird. Did you just go through a famine? Because I don't know what happened. And so then you <laughs> go back, back to, yeah, you go back to eating regular and your body's like, well, let's go back to the set point that, you know, has worked for us for, you know, three, five, 10, 20 years. Um, and so there is a bit of a, an adjustment there. Um, and so especially with weight loss, some, some women knowing that about the set point like to stick together for that, those six months so we can really try to establish the new set point. Wow. That sounds amazing. And I might have to come to you now. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I love to research and, um, figure out things, but yeah, it just, it seems like there's, when it comes to perimenopause, the symptoms are, there's a billion of them. It feels like. Yeah. yeah, Seriously. (laughs) And it's gotta be a lot of trial and error per client. You know, I might not be somebody who has a specific lever that, you know what I mean? So luckily, because I've done enough work on myself and then worked with enough women at this point, I know what levers are most likely to get the results. So I'll present that kind of to the client and say, you know, here's your goal. Here's what's worked in the past. Um, You know, here's three or four options. What sounds most interesting to you? Um, Because you're right, there's a billion symptoms, but by starting with the cortisol and insulin challenges and really addressing those through food movement and lifestyle, it's amazing how many of the other symptoms just kind of disappear or things women didn't even know were symptoms. Like one of my clients a couple of weeks ago said to me, Hey, you know, what's really interesting. My joints have stopped hurting. Oh, I just yeah. thought my joints were going to hurt for the rest of my life. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, no, no, your joints should not hurt for the rest of your life. But yay, they stopped hurting. That's amazing. Did did she, I find that like sugar is probably the biggest culprit for. So she, she's um, been a little bit more challenging because before we worked together, she was off sugar, off flour. Oh, um, gosh, what else? She already had taken some steps in the dietary area um, and had, this this client had been in Overeaters Anonymous, which um, has a really different approach, a very um, deprivational and don't trust mm. your body approach mm. to weight management, which is the opposite of what I teach. Um, right. Yeah. So much of the work I do with women is about helping them relearn how to trust their bodies and understand the signals because ladies, yeah. symptoms are just signals your body's sending you. Absolutely. So, you know, you didn't listen to the hormonal signals. So then you end up with the symptom signals and your body's just crying for help. So not to like go back to food, but I'm going to go back to food for a second. Do it. You talked about 
you talked about starting your day out with protein for breakfast. Do you recommend doing that for lunch and dinner too? Like just having like more protein in your life or so, is breakfast enough? No, no. Protein is important at every meal. So fat, fiber, protein, every meal. Um, I just started with a woman today who was like, I, I eat five times a day. That works for me. I was like, oh, hmm. okay. Um, in the meantime, she is incredibly overweight. Okay. And so it really isn't working for her. And I right. just sent her some information that's going to rock her world because it's going to be probably pretty counter to things she thought was true. Right. And it's really important that women, you know, are open to learning new things that might contradict. Like for example, calories in, calories out doesn't work in midlife. And right. some women's minds are blown by that. Like, what? This has worked for me for so long. It's like, yeah, yeah. but your body's so different than it was in its 20s. 100%. Even in my 30s, like I could mm. eat whatever I wanted and know that I would be – I could fit into my jeans the next day. It was mm. like almost overnight where I had to be much more – not that I, I always ate healthy, but I didn't – I would sneak in the cupcakes and the cookies, you know, whatever. Actually, chips are my – salty or sweet it's usually one or the other I'm salty for sure um but now I have to be more conscious of what it is that I am putting my in my mouth and you know sometimes I get going and I'm super busy and I feel like it's another fallacy of you skip a meal and you think oh yay you know I didn't eat as much today but you don't lose anything I swear like by skipping meals you're not it's not it stresses your body yeah. It tells your body you're in a famine and it says, oh, you better hold on. You better hold on to weight. You better hold on to fat because you're going to need it. So it's just, it's got to be steady, Eddie, have your three well thought out meals. Now, can you have snacks too throughout the day? Ideally, we should. And again, maybe not right away, maybe not right when we make a change, but ideally mm-hmm. we have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And we are comfortable in between those and we don't come to the next meal starving. So I, I like, I have a client who actually, she was also on kind of the three meals, two snacks approach and she's slowly shifting away from it. She can now get from breakfast to lunch, no problem. And lunch to dinner, probably 50% of the time. But again, Mm -hmm. my approach is when your body sends you a hunger signal, you answer it with food. You don't deprive it. Um, maybe you try, you know, water first, just making sure you're not mixing up your hunger and your thirst signals. But if you have a glass of water and then you are still getting hunger signals, all right, give yourself some, uh, you know, a little protein, a little bit of fat, um, and just so that you can get to your next meal and not be hangry. Yeah, and feel like you're losing your mind. Um, And then let's look at, okay, what did you eat for lunch? What time was it? What time was dinner that night? Is that a normal thing? I mean, there's just so many questions that we have to go into in each situation to figure out for each woman how her body works best. Um, And it's, you know, and that can change too. Like you might go, all right, I really need a snack between lunch and dinner right now. And that's just how you are right now. But in two years, as your body continues to change, you're like, huh. Not really hungry before dinner anymore, um, yeah. and or maybe it's you're eating more protein at lunch, and that's what brings on you know the ability to get to dinner. Um, so you started off by asking about protein, and and I just yeah. want to end with 
that if you're still having a cycle, you can actually use your cycle to know um, which weeks you tend to need a little more protein and which weeks you tend to need a little less protein. It's called protein cycling. Um, and it's a, it's a good way to approach it. If you're not still cycling, you're are not having a hormonal monthly bleed, but you are still having hormones that ebb and flow. And so you can look at what I call your ACEs, appetite, craving, energy, and sleep, and use that to clue you in. So any patterns you can notice will clue you in as to how you're kind of cycling through the month. Um, And you can try to align that with some protein cycling as well. Yeah. For protein cycling, do you feel, do you need more protein while you are? while you are menstruating or leading up to it, or is there no rhyme or reason to it? Um, so I'd have to double check what I, what I give to clients, but it is mm-hmm. not the same every week. And okay. um, I think the bleed week is a little bit lower. And I think you go low, high, low, high, mm. I think, but Whoa. I would have to check my notes. Yeah. For me personally, and I don't know a lot of women that are like this, but when I am menstruating, I'm not that hungry. Mm-hmm. Like my stomach hurts where I'm like, oh, I don't really want to eat too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I'm ravenous like the week after I'm like, oh my God, I got to make up for that, <laughs> you know? And um, so, yeah, there's, I can already sense that there's different um, variations from week to week. Yeah. It's great so, that you're listening to your body's hunger cues and letting that lead the way. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm a huge believer in you know, trying to become your own body whisperer and like listening to. Oh, I love that, Heather. Yeah. Um, quickly. Um, so, you know, throughout the years, I've like paid attention to wellness forever. And that includes eating and diets and all that, whatever, not necessarily diets, but ways of living. Mm-hmm. And I just remember at one point they talked about, oh my gosh, because protein was everything for a while. And then it was like, don't eat too much protein. You know, there's just so much out there. And there's definitely not something that's pigeonholed for women that are in midlife. I, you know, whoever comes up with this system, maybe you, um, will be a bajillionaire because we're going to all line up for it. But is it possible to be taking in too much protein? It's possible to take in too much of anything, you know? Um, But here's the thing about protein. Your body will continue to send you hunger cues until it's had enough protein. Yeah. So often starting your meal with your protein can be a really helpful way um, to approach your eating. Now, if you like to have a bite of this, a bite of that, then a bite of the other, that's fine. You don't have to just eat all your meat at once. Um, But we do know that our body will keep asking for food until it's had enough protein. What we run into problems with is when we answer that hunger with carbohydrates, which is more often what happens with midlife women is we're Mm -hmm. like, Oh, we're hungry and have some chips. I'm going to have, you know, some crackers or have a cupcake, (laughs) uh, a bagel. Absolutely. Um, And that will make us feel full, but it actually will not satiate us and we'll be hungrier sooner. Yeah. Yeah, see that it all kind of coincides with all the things that I learned throughout the years too. Like it I feel like we all know a lot of these answers. It is again like getting quiet and listening mm-hmm. to what it is that our body in particular needs mm-hmm. and slowing down and honoring that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times we're on the fly and it's like, oh my gosh, I got to hurry up and grab a muffin and, you know, get out the door. Yep. But it just, it takes maybe getting up 10 minutes earlier so you can make, you know, something a little bit more healthy to get out the door. So it's like, how bad do you want to feel your best? And that's something you and I cannot uh, create in a woman. She has to have that herself. Right. Oh, well, Kathy, thank you so much for meeting with me today. How can um, our listeners find you? Yeah, this was super fun, Heather. I love talking shop with like-minded people. Yeah. Um, your listeners can find me at kathyfritzcoaching.com. That's Kathy with a K. Fritz, like my hormones are on the Fritz, <laughs> coaching.com. I'm the same on Instagram. Um, you can find me on Facebook as well. And um, I do have a freebie. I have four surprising ways to reduce your hot flashes, insomnia, and waistline. So if you want to grab that, we can throw it in the show notes. Um, And if you go to my website, I always meet with women for at least 30 minutes before I will agree to work with them because Mm -hmm. it's really important that I know what's going on for you so I can know if I can help you and for you to get a sense of me and feel like I'm the right person to help you. Absolutely. That's a great idea. So yes, check out Kathy at kathyfritzcoaching.com. And I will put that in the show notes as well as the book that I have read. The mystery book. I can't wait to hear what it is. Oh my God. I'm sure you've probably already seen it or heard of it. Um, It grabbed my attention. I think I saw it like on Facebook or something. I was like, okay, it's a sign. I got to read this. And I got it. So I will definitely put that in there as well. And again, Kathy, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you for the listeners for joining us. And I will see you next time. All right. Bye.